Hey there, and welcome to the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We're honored you've chosen to join us today. In a few moments, Senior Pastor Alan Miller will launch into this week's teaching. Before that, though, we'd like to encourage you to also check out our website, firstmissionary.net, where you can find out more about what the Lord is doing in our local body and how you can get involved. Now here's Alan with this week's teaching. Good morning, everybody. Go ahead and stand and we'll continue worship together. Let me out of the desert, brought me into the streams, the river of living water, turn my bitter into sweet, all my burdens lifted, took the shackles off my feet, and there's no sound louder than the captain set free, so let the redeemed of the Lord taste hold. His promises evermore. Pour out your thankfulness, let it overflow. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. There's joy in the morning, springing up in my soul.
song we just sang said all my life you have been faithful all my life you have been so so good with every breath that I'm able I should want to praise you I should want to glorify you I should want to honor you I should want to worship you as Jay said in the first service this morning and we say it so often Grace covers it all. Doesn't matter where you've been. Doesn't matter what you've done. His grace is sufficient. Scripture says to cover it all. And I really believe. I really believe this morning that if we really, 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 really believe that, that there would be nothing to slow us down. There'd be nothing to stop us. There'd be nothing to keep us from lifting our voices high in this place this morning and praising Him and giving Him honor and glory. Because He's faithful. He's a faithful God. I promise you, 
His grace is sufficient for your every need. Wow. wow. So, fathers, as we come to this time of the service, we, we honor you we give back to you a portion of what you blessed us with this week. Get us, we do that with love and honor and glory. We proudly give to you this morning, Lord. And say, just take it, multiply it, and use it. I'm not Alan. Alan's out of town, uh, seeing visiting Katie. So he asked me to to share uh, this morning and and talk a little bit about grace. Um. So that's what we're going to do. I, I I just want to open saying grace to you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is something that uh, that Paul, um, he opens up the majority of his epistles with. Uh, First, Second Corinthians, he says this, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and then Second Peter 1, 2, one of my favorites is, uh, he says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and our, our Lord Jesus Christ. So you want grace and peace multiplied to you in your life? It's through the knowledge of, of Jesus and getting to know who he is. So I think Paul has a purpose. He talks a lot about grace. And I think he has a, a purpose behind his introduction. Grace and peace. These things work together. You can't have peace without grace. Um, and I think in talking about peace, um, there's a couple different types of peace that we can talk about. We can talk about having peace with God, which that occurs at the point of justification, when you're saved, uh, having peace with God, but there's also uh, the peace of God. Um, we sing, I mean, probably my favorite, maybe my favorite song ever written, um, Amazing Grace, how, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. So this grace, grace saves. Um, Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift from God. It's a gift. Grace is a gift uh, that we're given. In Romans 5.1, Paul says, Therefore, having been justified, being justified is, is to be made right, made, made, made righteous, holy, to be made a saint, Therefore, having been justified, we have peace with God. So there's the peace that we have with God through our justification, through, our, through being saved. Um, I think we can all agree that grace saves us. Um, and gives us peace with God. But what about the peace of God? And what function does grace have now in our in our lives today um what does it what does it do what does it do in the life everyday life of a believer that's what we're going to talk about uh the sermon title uh that i come up with is is, is grace it keeps going and going and going and I really see grace as, as an energizer. And thanks to Olivia for, for helping me with the, with the graphic there. I've, I definitely couldn't have done that. And hope, hopefully there's no copyright infringement here either. But uh, an energizing grace. First of all, before we sort of get in, into some of that, I, I want to just briefly talk about some of the misconceptions of grace because growing up here in the bible belt um grace wasn't something uh that that everybody talked about you know 
I think there, there was, people were a little scared in this area, or, or really anywhere, to talk about grace. Because you talk about grace, you preach grace, you're just preaching a, a license to sin and just go do whatever you want to do. There's no accountability there. You can go do whatever you want. But what does Paul say? Uh, starting in, in Romans 6. He addresses this right off the bat. What's there, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace might increase? He says, may it never be. No way. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? So grace doesn't cause us or make us want to go sin more. It's, it's opposite of that. Actually, Romans 5.20, the chapter before, Paul says that the law came so sin might increase. So it's actually the law that, that causes us to sin more. It's not grace, contrary to, to a lot of beliefs, um, or maybe what I've been taught in the past. And, and Paul says later in chapter uh, 6, verse 14, you're not under law, but under grace. So if grace doesn't make us want to sin more, and make us sin any longer, what does it do? What is the purpose of grace in our lives today? I'm going to switch gears real quick again before we go into this. And I want to ask you, when, you, when I say the word hero, who do you think of? Who are the biggest heroes in your life? Maybe it was a, a, a family member. Uh, maybe it was a coach that you had, uh, a basketball player. Um, maybe when I said hero, you thought of some type of superhero, like uh, Spider-Man or Superman or Doctor Strange, who's my favorite, personally. Um, when we think of these heroes, these superheroes... We oftentimes think of the great qualities they had. The things, the great accomplishments, the things that they've done. I mean, I do. That, that's where my mind immediately goes when I think of a superhero. But all of these superheroes, all these heroes had some type of kryptonite in their life, right? Uh, Paul, Paul might refer to this as a thorn in the flesh, which we're going to look at here in just a few minutes. But um, what about biblical heroes? Who are your biblical heroes? Who are the great heroes of the Bible? I think of just throwing a few out there. David, Moses, Peter, Paul. I mean, all these guys did some really, really great things. They did some really cool things. And again, we think of these guys, we think of, think of the great things. But what about the bad things that they did? What about the mistakes that they made? They all had those too. I mean, we, we think about David. Many years after defeating Goliath, which Alan, a few, well, maybe a couple months ago now, uh, just did a great job in teaching through that story, David and Goliath, and so much more to that uh, than what, what we've always been taught or always heard in regards to that story. But David, he, he, he defeats Goliath, and, and not many years after, he, he has an affair with Bathsheba. He sends someone to, to kill Bathsheba's husband. Um, he... Lived with that for, best to understand, about a year without telling anybody. So, I mean, David kills Bathsheba's, has Bathsheba's husband killed. Doesn't tell anybody about it. He, he, he made some pretty big mistakes. How about Moses? Moses, another great hero. Before leading his people out of Egypt and out of cat captivity. He... he Killed an Egyptian. He actually killed somebody. What about Peter? 
course, we know Peter denied Christ, but what about in the Garden of Gethsemane? John uh, 18, uh, verse 10, John records that in the Garden, when Jesus is being arrested, Peter pulls out a sword and he cuts Malchus's ear off. Now, I promise you, he wasn't going for his ear. He wasn't, I'm going to cut this guy's ear off. What was he trying to do? He was trying to kill the man. He was mad. Luckily, Jesus was there and, and healed Malchus's ear, which I think Luke records. How about Paul? What do, you, what do you know about Paul? What did his life look like prior to his conversion? Well, Acts 7 uh, Toward the end of Acts 7, we know that, that Paul was there. Saul at the time, he was there when Stephen was being stoned. He maybe had his hand in, in persecuting and killing other Christians um, that we don't even know about. The beginning of Acts 8, he's having Christian, uh, Christians arrested, thrown in jail. Now, I use all these guys, and I use you know, murder or, or ki the killing of someone because it's something that we can all sort of agree. Now, not to put degree, degrees on sin. You know, maybe some sins are greater than others, but I can't think of any sin that's any worse than, than having someone killed. Um, have any of you ever killed anyone? I haven't. At least that, that I know of. I don't think I've ever killed anyone. Um, but that's, that's about as bad as it gets. And all of these guys that I've mentioned, they had to, they had to deal with that. They had to struggle. I mean, I'm sure they struggled with that. So what, what qualifies these guys? What qualified... Moses to lead his people. What qualified David to be king? What qualified Peter and what qualified Paul to, to write, you know, the majority of the New Testament? What qualified these guys? What qualifies me to be here, up here right now? I, some of you... Know me, y'all. Y'all know me a long time. You know my past. You guys know that that I've made some really, really bad decisions in the past. Um, if I had to qualify myself to be up here, I, I would have disqualified myself a long time ago. Um, whether it be teaching, serving, whatever it may be, I don't feel qualified. It's not how I feel. I sort of feel like Paul uh, sometimes. Um, flip over to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to look at this. This is some of my favorite, some of my favorite uh, parts of Scripture right here. Of course, what we have here, uh, starting in about verse 3, 1 Corinthians 15, we have uh, an old, it's a creed. A creed is, is a passage or part of scripture that was passed down orally over time. And, and some scholars believe that verses 3 through 7 or 8 um, could be the oldest section of the New Testament that we have. The oldest passage that they say could date back to, you know, a month, a couple months after the resurrection. So after Paul sort of shares how Jesus appeared uh, to, to, to Peter and the twelve and to 500 people, some of them are still alive, and James, and then, and then he says, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also. Untimely born, he, he wasn't, wasn't one of the twelve, I think is what he's referring to there. But then he goes on and says, 
For I am the least of the apostles, not fit to be called an apostle. Because why? Because I persecuted the church of God. I mean, we just talked about he, he actually had believers, Christians killed. He persecuted the church. So he feels like he's the least of the apostles. That he's not fit to be doing what he's doing. He's not qualified to do this thing. But then he says in verse 10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me did not prove vain. But I labored even more than all of them, all the other disciples. And he says, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. Hmm. Not I, he says. It wasn't me. It was the grace of God. But why, why would Paul use grace there? I mean, it sounds like grace is Doing the work. That's what it sounds like to me. Grace is doing the work. Why didn't he say the Holy Spirit with me? Why wouldn't he say Jesus with me? Or God with me? Why grace? Why grace? Let's flip over the next book, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Why grace? Let's look at this. Paul here, we've already talked about a thorn in the flesh. And I think the thorn in the flesh is debatable. I think people have debated this for years. What was Paul's thorn? Um... And I was talking to Greg Lynch um, after the first service, and I, I've had I've run through this once, so maybe it'll be a little longer, a little uh, maybe I'll get through it a little better than I did the first service. But Greg said said it, he thinks it's great that that the thorn was never really revealed. There's some mystery there, and you know we don't know what that thorn was. We some people have have said. You know, maybe it was his eyesight. We know uh, Paul on the road to Damascus, Jesus showed up. He took his eyesight away. He ended up giving it back to him later. But um, maybe the thorn in his flesh was his inability to, to see clearly. Um, he talks about in Romans 7, he talks about coveting. And how he struggles with coveting. And how the law says, do not covet it. And it Produced in him coveting of every kind. So maybe, maybe the thorn was coveting. I, I really tend to believe that, uh, and, and I'm, again, reserve the right to be wrong here, but I really believe that his thorn could have been his past. How many of our thorns that we, that we do, or the struggles that we have, how many of them could be the past? Um, things that we did. Things. I mean, these guys, you know, I mentioned all these guys. I mean, and I asked, have you ever killed anyone? I mean, I, mean, I can't imagine what that would be like to, to live with. Knowing that you, you had taken someone's life. Um, last, last weekend, I was able to spend a lot of time with... Uh, with several veterans, um, had had an event to raise money for a soldier's heart, which is a nonprofit that that that, um, that supports veterans that struggle with post traumatic stress. Um, they're sort of a support group. They take them canoeing and and kayaking and camping. Just get them out in the out, outdoors. Get around the campfire. Talk about the things that they've had to deal with. I mean, those guys that that have served our country, that served our country, and I. Iraq, Afghanistan, I mean, they've, they've seen some, some pretty tough stuff. 
Um, and, and a lot of them have, have taken the lives of others. And, and they, they have a very, very difficult time with it. Um, now, I can't imagine, you know, these guys and what they, what they had to deal with and, and just, again, you know, wanting to somewhat disqualify themselves from, from sharing the gospel, from pressing forward because of the things that they had done. So look at, uh, let's just read through this here. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, starting in verse 7. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Now, he says right there two times. What or why, rather, was this thorn given to him? To keep him from exalting himself, right? What does that mean, exalting himself? To keep him from exalting himself. Keep him humble, right? And he goes on to say, concerning this, I implored, the, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. So Paul asked God multiple times, three times here. and Maybe he continued to, to ask him to take this thorn, take this thorn in the flesh away from him. But he didn't do it. There is a purpose behind this thorn. And then he goes on. Verse 9. And he said to me. This is Jesus speaking. My grace. Is sufficient for you. For power is perfected in weakness. My grace is sufficient. Here again. Why wouldn't he say, my Holy Spirit is sufficient for you? Jesus is sufficient for you. Why grace? Why does he, why does he use the word grace again? John MacArthur actually says that is sufficient, the, the word is sufficient, actually reveals to constant availability. It is always there. It does not run out. Grace is, is there for you. My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Whose power is it that's perfected in weakness? Is it Paul's power? Whose power is that? Verse 9, he says, most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. So through these weaknesses, the power of Christ is, is lifted up. That, that's what's seen. Grace, it's the power of Christ, but grace actually grants us power. It is... It is what is energizing us and giving us the energy to move forward when we don't feel like it. When we feel like the least of these or not fit and trying to disqualify ourselves from, from serving or doing anything. It's, it's His grace 
that, that moves us forward and propels us, gives us the energy. And not only that, but he goes on in verse 10, Therefore I am well content with weaknesses. So, you know, he knows that God, he's asked him multiple times to take this thorn away from him. He, he has this weakness, but grace helps him to be content with it. Now, it doesn't say that he still doesn't want to try to, to, to get better and, and to try to do the things and pursue God's heart and the, the sanctification. It doesn't, doesn't say any of that, but he's content. Grace helps him to be content with with the weaknesses that he has. And with insults. Has anyone insulted you? Um, lately? I know I've been insulted. Uh, here and there. And it helps us to. Deal with that. And to move past that. And, and be content with, with insults. With distresses. Not as stressed this service. I should be. There's more people in here. But uh, I, I was a little stressed coming in here this morning. And, uh, and knowing I'd have to do this. And, and this, is, this is a bit out of my comfort zone. It may not uh, seem, seem that way. Um, if I don't have a guitar in my hand. That's a, that's a little easier uh, being up here. But um, it helps you deal. Grace helps you deal with distress with persecutions with difficulties I know we we all are dealing with some type of difficulty uh, stress in our life his grace is there it's ready now this grace I do not believe this grace is irresistible. This is not the irresistible kind of grace. You have to accept this grace. No different than when you, when you were saved. This grace that is, that is given and granted to us has to be received. It is resistible. I resisted for many years. I resisted that grace. I, I, I thought, okay. I've done all these things. Um, and, and not resisting the grace that, that was available to me from God. I, I, I really did the opposite. I ran. I, I stayed as far away from God as I could. Or anybody else that had anything to do with God. Uh, because of my shortcomings, because of my failures, because of the things that I'd done in my life, I, I, I ran. Um, because I was expecting, you know, if I, if I got closer to God and, and I turned to God, He, he was going to punish me. He was going to strike me down and whatever, you know, this, these misconceptions of who God, God was or who I thought He was. But Hebrews 4, I think 16 says that we need to come boldly to the throne of grace to help in our time of need. I mean, coming to the throne of grace. And Jesus said that uh, come to me, all you who are burdened, heavy laden, I'll give you rest. This was, this was foreign to me for a long time. I, I didn't understand what grace could actually do in my life. That, it, that would give me the energy and, and give me uh, the strength to, to move past the past. To, to look forward and to keep going down the road that I needed to go. Like I said... Most people think that grace, just, if you're teaching grace, it's just teaching um, to go do whatever you want. But I'll never forget when I found this passage. Turn to Titus chapter 2. And I can't remember 
where I came across it, I don't think I was just I don't think I was just reading my Bible. I think it was through like Andrew Farley or a book of his or I'm not sure, but when I saw this verse, I was just I was blown away. Because this is this is very contrary to I think what most of us have, have believed about grace in the past. Titus chapter 2, starting in verse 11, Paul says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. I think we've covered that, salvation, uh, justification, being saved. It's, It's by grace that we're saved. So salvation, no, no issues there with grace. But then he says, for the grace of God has appeared instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly and righteously and godly in the present age. When is the present age? When's the present age? It's right now, right? I'm not talking about the past. We're talking about the present. What is going on right now. Grace instructs us. It doesn't make us want to go sin more. It instructs us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly and righteously. It affects our behavior. The things that we do. Have you heard this before? Have you ever seen this verse before? So his grace, it's, it's really more than sufficient. Um, I wouldn't be here without it. None of us would. Is there a thorn in your flesh? Is there something that is keeping you... Um, from accepting that grace? Are you resisting that grace? Is there a thorn? Is there a weakness that, that's, that you're using to disqualify yourself? To disqualify yourself from, uh, from fulfilling God's purpose in your life? Whatever that may be. Are you resisting his divine grace? It's a gift. Somebody, I think Bonhoeffer says cheap, talks about cheap grace. It's more than cheap. It's free. It's a gift. It is free to you. You just have to accept it. You just have to accept it. Jesus, it's a gift. And it, it was through Jesus and the cross that we that we're able to have grace Jesus Christ is grace incarnate he is grace so today I, I, I just I challenge you to to accept that grace don't don't disqualify yourself don't disqualify yourself from fulfilling God's purpose in your life. There's a, there's, well, we looked at murder, I mean, but there's a lot of sin that we all struggle with. Some of it is, is, is some of it you see, but a lot of it you don't see. There's, you might see somebody at, out in public falling down drunk. But you don't see the person that's, that's at, behind closed doors sinning. Grace covers all those sins. Everything. Everything you did two years ago, last week, yesterday, and everything you're going to do this afternoon, tomorrow, three years from now. Grace covers it all.
and it is sufficient for us. So God, I pray uh, right now, Lord, that you just uh, continue to show us what grace is all about. Help us to to be open to your grace and help us to accept your grace, Lord, because it's what we all need. Regardless of what the struggle is, what we're struggling with today, what we've struggled with in the past, God, your grace covers it all. There is no sin too great for your grace. Your grace is enough. So, Lord, I, I just pray right now that, uh, that this speaks has spoken to, to everyone here, Lord. And I just pray that you just make it easy for us. Make it easy for us to, to accept it. In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us on the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. That's it for this week's teaching, but you can always find more on our website, firstmissionary.net. We'd also like to encourage you to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you've benefited from this week's lesson, be sure to share it with your friends and family, then leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.